Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the Ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Jeremiah chapter 48, verse 11 and 12 is going to come up here in the Amplified Version tonight. Moab has been at ease. Can you say it with me? Moab has been at ease from his youth. He has also been undisturbed and settled like wine on his dregs. He has not been emptied from one vessel to another, nor has he gone into exile. Therefore, his flavor remains in him, and his scent has not changed. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will send to Noab those who will tip him over and who will empty his vessels and break his earthenware jars in pieces. Now, the Amplified really gives us a pretty big picture of that thing, uses those words, tells what happened and why this has been our verse because it's, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about the dangers of being at ease. It's uh, the dangers of just coming to a place where there's no change happening. You know, there's just nothing happening. You're, you're not growing. You've, you've settled in. You're satisfied. There's no, the longing in your heart is just gone from you, and you're kind of just there. And it's a dangerous place for lots of reasons, and we'll get into more of it tonight, and then next week's our last time. And then there's a movie uh, the last Wednesday. So next week's one more teaching, and then the week after that we do have a movie on the persecuted church. Uh, so you need to be here for that because that's happening around the world in our day right now. So we need to be aware of that so we know how to pray. Uh, the definition of uh, this transformation, a process, is a, it's an act or a process or instance of transforming or being transformed. We're being transformed into his image. Just a little bit of review. Last week, there were four major things that we mentioned. Change is a way of life, isn't it? It really is just a way of life. And that's why I say you might as well get used to it. It is a way of life. Uh, it's as much as there are some people that adapt to it pretty quickly and flow with it, there are others just, they don't like it at all. And you probably have a family member. It might just be your mate. It probably is. It's usually one mate likes change and the other one doesn't like change. Uh, but it, it does happen anyway. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't want our lives to be stable. This doesn't mean that you're, there's just total unsurety in your life all the time. No, that's not what this means at all. There's, it, it just means it's, a, it's an attitude. It's a, it's a position that you take that, God, I'm open. Whatever you want to do in my life. And realizing that each and every one of us come to God with a lot of baggage. You know, don't we? We come to God with a lot of baggage. Those, those initial moments and days and even months and years that the power of God just seems to come into our life, and man, it's just like everything is new. Uh, I, I loved those days, and, uh, and it was, they were obvious things, but then as you move on in your walk, you find that it's, it's a little bit more difficult to identify areas that, you, that need to be changed, uh, and we'll talk about a little bit about that tonight. 
So that's why we're talking about it. So we're more aware of that there are areas that we need to look at in our life. Second of all, we said change is necessary. If we really want to be what God wants us to be, it's a necessary part of our discipleship. It's our necessary part of our following Jesus. You remember the 12 that he chose right in the beginning? They're called the 12 disciples. A disciple is a follower of someone. So they begin to follow Jesus. But in following Jesus, how many know that they experience constant change? Even in the three and a half years they, they were with Jesus, they, they were blown away. Uh, even toward the very end, you would think, well, after three and a half years of spending that much quality time with Jesus, you would think they would have learned some things. But up to the very last moment, did you notice some of the attitudes? They were still arguing over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Uh, they were positioning themselves for, for control. So there were a lot of things. Peter, who, who thought he would uh, die, give up his life for Jesus and realizing that, uh, you know, he couldn't back that up totally. Uh, then we said there are hindrances to change. And the biggest hindrance to change, how many of you remember what it was? Huh? Tradition. Yeah, we showed a little video. I'd like to show it again and watch the whole movie. Tradition. Uh, Fiddler on the Roof. But tradition could be the greatest hindrance. And, and sometimes we think about tradition. Well, that's people that are in uh, oh, established churches and mainline denominations or something like that that have a lot of tradition. And there's nothing wrong with traditions. Traditions do bring stability to your life. But if your traditions get in the way of what God is trying to speak to your heart and to your life, then that's a hindrance. That's a hindrance to the transformation process that works. So it can happen to all of us. It can happen to spirit-filled, evangelical, on-fire Christians that you pick up traditions that all of a sudden get in the way of what God wants to do in your life. And when God speaks, you might not say it out loud, but you're saying, well, we haven't done it that way before. Or haven't gone that way before. So we have to guard ourselves against traditions and be you know, always open to the Lord. And then we said change is a matter of choice. Every day you get up, you make a choice. God, I, I'm open for change. I'm open for what you, you want to do. And when we talk about change, it's not like the biggies, like, okay, I'm open for change, God. You want to move me from here to South Africa. You know, that's not what we're talking about. How about the big change is just in an attitude toward your mate, an attitude toward a fellow worker, that we need to work on that change that particular day, uh, all in way of review. All right, there are two major questions I want to answer tonight. Number one, how do I know I need change? How do I know? This is very practical where the rubber meets the road teaching. All right. How do I know we're talking about change, the need for change, the importance of change in our life, how necessary it is in our life, but how do I know I need change? Because I think sometimes we're blinded uh, by a lot of things. So there are six things I want to give you, okay? I want to walk down through that. Number one, there's a sense of dissatisfaction or restlessness. A sense of dissatisfaction a restlessness. That's what happened to me when going back to the, to the 90s. And I realized that after I did a little bit more research on my own about when this actually took place, it was the end of the 80s when, when that hit me. 
And I felt restless. I felt dissatisfaction. And I told you, my testimony there, I never felt that. From 71 until 88, I never felt a dissatisfaction in my relationship with God. And all of a sudden, I start feeling it. It threw me. It literally threw me. And I told you, it was on my driving out a Sunday morning on my way to Boulder. just And this in, in my heart, I just was dissatisfied. I was restless. So once that begins to happen and you get that feeling, look then, is it possible a need for change in some attitude or in some part of your life? Second of all, there's a sense of frustration that goes along with it with circumstances, situations, people, and present responsibilities. Now, a lot of these are out of my personal experience, and there's two I'm going to point out to you that's not necessarily a personal experience, but I know it from, from my ministry with other people and two other people. But it's, it's, so there's a sense of frustration with circumstances and situation. I'll tell you where it hit me the most. There was a frustration that I had over people. <laughs> I found myself getting frustrated why? For a lot of things. I mean, it's all of a sudden where it's like I could see nothing wrong in people to where I was seeing everything wrong in people. It's like, why are they like that? Why are they not changing? Why? It wasn't, I wasn't using the word change. I just was frustrated. And, and I realized that out of that dissatisfaction, that restlessness, I become judgmental. So you say, I, I begin to judge other people. So these are all signs, not necessarily that something wrong with other people, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with me. And there's an area that I need to change in, or I've stopped the process of transformation in my life. And it, it could be any one of these. Uh, see, Moab's attitude was not fertile soil for transformation. And this was some of the, the attitude that he had. Uh, thirdly, a sense of lack. Uh, there's a sense of lack. There's something, you know there must be something more that you haven't discovered. So there, you, you begin to get that sense. Now, this is a positive thing about, all of these in a way are positive. I wouldn't look at these as negative as much as if these are signs and let's see them and say, okay, the next time I begin to feel restless or dissatisfied, it, I, I'm bringing them out to you so you can immediately say, okay, what's wrong with me? God, what are you trying to do? Where, where are you zeroing in on my life? And let's deal with it. So it's kind of like a, a, a light that goes on in your car, warning. You know, you're low on fuel or warning that... You need to check your battery, whatever it might be. I think it's the same. Uh, and again, this one, really, I didn't experience this way, but I, I've talked to enough people. A sense of being, feeling useless or being useless. It's a sense of, of being useless that I just, there's a feeling. It goes with insecurity, feeling useless, and, uh, and that, that could be a warning sign that, Something happened. Something stalled in your, in your life. A sense of being out of date. And again, I didn't sense this one, but a fifth wheel type feeling. 
you know, to sense it. But this sixth one I did, a sense of spiritual lethargy. A sense of spiritual lethargy uh, toward the scriptures or, or toward worship or toward uh, prayer life. Something lost, you lost something, whereas worship is not as meaningful. Uh, you, don't, you don't come to be on the edge of your seat any longer, waiting for what is God going to say next to me while we're gathered together, while the ministry of the words taking place. So, so it's more of, okay, and then you find people that take their time coming in. Now, I'm not picking on anyone because I don't know anyone's in here habits except about Nine or ten of you, I know you. Not all, but I <laughs> I got you thinking, which nine or ten is he talking about? But it's just that, you know, you take your time coming in, so if I miss worship, it doesn't matter I miss worship. But maybe at one time it did matter. Yeah. You know, you couldn't wait to get there. It was more of, boy, I want to get there, and I want to be in it all. And, and or you couldn't wait to hear from God. Is God going to speak during this? worship or where will God lead us in this worship? How many know what I'm talking about a little bit? It can happen. These are signs that uh, something has transpired in your life. So it's a loss. It doesn't have the appeal, the reading of the word, uh, sitting under the study. I'm preaching to the choir here tonight. You guys are here on a Wednesday night. It's raining out and you've been coming. And, and, uh, but still, I think uh, you've come to hear something that's going to keep helping us uh, grow in our Lord. <laughs> so, now, it's difficult to detect, and this scripture that we read talks about an aroma, a, a scent. How, how many know it's difficult to detect? Let's say your car. You, you, you drive in your car and you don't realize that say you have kids. Now the one thing that you smell, and I don't know where it comes from, is like stale milk. When, when my kids, grandkids, get in my car, I don't know, I always smell stale milk. And guess what? I usually find half of a milk thing that's been there for a month or something, way in the back of my Suburban, you know, that they put there. But you can get used to that if you're a parent and you have kids all the time and day, you're used to that. It's only the people getting in the car that say, oh, man, clean up this car. How many know what I'm talking about a little bit? You get used to this, your smell. I don't know a nice way to say it. You get used to your smell. And it's only others that detect it. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to get back to that one. Uh, here in a moment. Uh, all right, here's some suggested helps. Okay, so there, there's a, how do we know that I need change? Some suggested helps. These are principles that, that need. And I think I've got to come back on this next week, but we know the, the analogy of the, the potter and the clay. Uh, you know, is that and we'll get back to the scripture. I don't want to get too far into it. But it's what business has the clay saying to the potter, here, make me this way or do it this way or do it that way? Uh, we don't. We want, we want the master to be able to do what he wants to do with the clay. Um, so suggested helps in this area. 
Number one or A, I put it under A this time. Open up. And let me explain it. Just You might want to write that down, but you need to open up. And these are helps in these areas of maybe we don't recognize that aroma or that stench or that smell. So we need to open up and put ourselves in, in some kind of environment or setting where someone can speak into our lives. There's got to be an openness. I think we live in a culture that more and more is trying to isolate itself. We're isolating ourselves from each other. So we have to fight that trend in our culture that, you know, you drive in your garage, you shut your garage door, and that's the last your neighbors are old to see you drive in. Uh, but I'm just using that. We all do that. But if, if you're part of a ministry, a church, a body of believers, this is the place where if we can't open up with God's people, who do you open up with? Now, I'm not saying you spill your guts all the time. You have to be careful who you spill your guts to. That's for sure, you know, because they're ready to spill the guts that you spilled to them with someone else. Uh, your guts, <laughs> someone else. But I'm saying it is an environment where you have small groups, and that's why we advocate get in a small group if you can. And I know Pastor Jason has part of his vision for the future that really is going to work hard on coming this fall, you know, is that small groups. is really encouraging more and more small groups to be involved in. And he's right. He's right on on that. And uh, we do have small groups. There are opportunities for small groups in the church. But that everyone should really be part of some small group where you open up or someone in the group or where you can share or just from praying. How many know that you, we have a group that meets on Wednesday mornings what we do is the men meet every Wednesday at 6 o'clock for prayer, and we've been doing it for 50 years. <laughs> Literally, 50 years the prayer meeting's been going on. And what we do is for part of that time, we have private time, but we get in a small group. I want to tell you, I know not only the men in that small group, but just praying for their needs, we open up through our prayers. <coughs> you know, I know nephews that need prayers. I know areas of relationship husband and wife, when they need prayer. And we pray over those things, and it's an opportunity to speak into one another's lives or pray into one another's lives. So small groups, if all possible, look for some kind of small group, and they come in all kind of varieties and styles. But certainly look for one to be involved in. Opening up to others or small groups. Another help, second help here, B, be ruthless on attitudes, actions, and habits which are not Christian. I use the word ruthless because that's the way you have to do it. Uh, on attitudes, actions, and habits. If, if, it's, if you take a kind of like approach that, well, it's just, you know, it's the way I've always been or it's, you know, the way I grew up, you're not going to do anything about it. You're actually excusing yourself, but be ruthless. In other words, I don't want that in my life. I don't want that attitude. I don't want to act that way. I don't want my body language to give that message. I don't want that habit. You know what I'm talking about there? I mean, ruthless. Just you, really, you want to take the bull by the horns, and you want to take that bull down. 
you know, and you don't want it in your life. And until we begin to take that type of approach to these attitudes and, and actions and habits, they're not going to go away. And, and, and I'm not saying that you do it on your own. I'm saying ruthless to the point you say, God, this is a problem in my life, and I need you, Holy Spirit, to come and eradicate it in my life. Get it out of my life. What do I need to do, God? It's talking to God openly about that. What do you want me to do? How do I do this? Uh, look at yourself honestly. And you got to know that here's what helps me a little. I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect in this area. But here's what helps me. God knows already. <laughs> it's not like I'm hiding anything from him or by not talking about it, somehow he's not going to get wind of it. You know? It, he knows it. He knows every part. He knows every weakness he knows my frame is dust. Uh, he knows my shortcomings. He knows all of that. And once I begin to rehearse that over and over again in my mind, I say, hey, I might as well talk about it, God. You already know. So let's talk about it. God, why did I do this? You know, why do I respond like that? Why do I entertain those kind of thoughts, God? And I don't want those in my life. And, and Holy Spirit, I need your power working in my life. So uh, I put down here in my notes, no more excuses. We're, we're so used to using excuses and we live, it's a part of our culture too again. And the excuses are saying, well, that's the way my mom was. You know, we're German. So because we're German, we have a right to be, you know, a stinker. I'm not saying all Germans are stinkers. Huh? <laughs> right? I didn't say that, right? did I? No. I should pick on the Irish. I'm Irish, so the Irish have their faults too. They're all drunkards. I mean, they're all whatever. Before Christ. Amen? <laughs> That's the truth. But you know what I'm talking about. Excuse, don't excuse you because I was brought up that way or because mom and dad did it that way or because I come from a broken home. I mean, come on. No one's trying to minimize that you might have come from a broken home, even an abused situation. But how long can you use that excuse for your habits and attitudes? Somewhere you've got to stop and draw the line. If you need additional help, there's always the help there available, especially in the church, the pastors, and what we have available, the lay people, the many ministries that are available. So no excuses. We have to stop excusing ourselves because for our habits, our attitudes, or I've always done it this way. Does that make sense to you? To you? We could be real honest here tonight, right, and talk about this. Uh, so, no more excuses. Uh, thirdly, or C, learn to listen. You ever get in a conversation and you know individuals like that, in a conversation where that you know the person you're talking to is only looking for an opportunity for you to shut up so they can say what they want to say. They're not listening to you at all. But I'm afraid there's a lot of us like that. We're not listening. We don't listen because we're too into, we want to voice what we feel, our opinion of it. Man, you keep doing that, you're not going to learn, you're not going to change, there's not going to be any transformation. We've got to be listeners. And guess what? You just don't listen to those who praise you. You even listen to those that criticize you. 
Some of, some of the, I'm not saying it's always right that people criticize you, I'm not saying that. But I always found that there's, I forget how I use it, but it's always actually been a philosophy of, my, a philosophy of mine that there's always something. I don't care how negative the letter is, there's something in that letter. And I'll get a letter and I'll tell you, it's like, you got to read through that and it, it really hurts to read it. But I go back and I say, okay, what one thing in there? Is there one thing in there that I need to listen to? See, I don't think you can grow or change unless you do that. I really don't. Uh, because there probably is something. I don't care how judgmental they are, how critical they are of you. There's something in it. And every conversation should approach life like that. It, it, it ought to be that way. Uh, so learn to listen. Uh, Revelation chapter 2 again in verse 7, and this is repeated over and over again in Revelation 2 and 3. He who hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Well, that's obvious from those words that listen up. Listen to what the Spirit of God wants to another. Be a good listener. You know, be attentive uh, to what the Spirit of God wants to say to you, and that's what we want. Uh, Proverbs 17.10, rebuke is more effective for, for a wise man than a hundred blows on a fool. Uh, so no one likes rebuke. No one likes to, to be told they're wrong. But in the end, it's more effective for you than if someone praises you all the time. Now, there's none of, I don't think there's one of us in here who doesn't like someone to pat us to the back every once in a while. You know, and that's good encouragement. But there's a point where to be a real friend you're not encouraging their sin. You're not encouraging that habit. You, you don't want to encourage that attitude. It's better to say, hey, listen, can I pray with you over this? This is what I'm seeing. They might not like it at first, but in the long run, a wise man or woman is going to listen to that kind of thing. Still with me? Uh, most of the time we're defensive. I mean, we put up our guards really, really quick. I was thinking about, and I've done this, it could be a boss, it could be someone say, listen, I'd like to talk to you, and you freak out. Right away you're defensive. What do you mean you'd like to talk to me? What, what's wrong with me? What are you going to tell me that's wrong? So these things automatically go up in us. Why is that? Well, we're trying to protect ourselves. It's just we don't want to die to ourselves. We don't want really to someone to tell us so maybe we need a little bit of correction but in the long run it's going to help us more than anything else and someone always patting us on the back uh, look at this one in uh, Proverbs 15 this is out of the Amplified verse 31 the ear that listens to and learns from the life giving rebuke or reprimand censure will remain among the wise he who neglects ignores instruction disciplines despises himself uh, isn't that true? You're not doing yourself any good. You could put it that way. You're not doing yourself any good. Uh, but he who learns from rebuke acquires understanding, grows in wisdom. Fear of the Lord. That is, worshiping him and regarding him as truly awesome. Is the instruction for wisdom. It's starting point and it's, it's the essence. And before honor comes humility. It takes humility to be able to take something, a correction. And uh, God knows, and I mean that when I say God knows, that's just not afraid. He knows that humility is what we need. We don't need pride. 
because pride comes before a fall. Pride keeps us from moving ahead, transforming, changing, growing, progressing in the Lord. Pride will just keep it from all those things. And that's certainly, and there's so many examples. Look at Saul was prideful and ended up disobeying God. David, although he sinned, humbled himself and God forgave him, became a man after God's heart. The difference between a prideful person and a humble person that's happened. Okay, D. And I'll have to explain to Sometimes we must accept correction by faith. Write it down and then let me explain that. Accept correction by faith. Here's what I thought about. Accept, accept correction by faith. Cheryl and I, as part of our ministry, as we moved along and, and we're growing in the church here, as we were house parents back in the day when it was called the youth home, which is now the student res that sits over here on our property. Am I pointing the right way? Yeah, over here, I'm pointing the right way, student res. Been effective ministry since the 70s, <coughs> mid-70s. But we had 32 kids live with us. And when I talk about kids, I'll talk about 18-year-old to 26-year-old. And we were disciples. It was the discipleship house. I can't tell you how many times that I had to talk to kids. Listen, accept this, I, because we had to talk to them a lot. Because <laughs> they're coming in off the street. They were coming in off all, all kind of backgrounds, but they accepted Christ. They wanted to grow. They were hungry to grow. But we were just trying to help them grow in their faith and disciple them. But a lot of times we had to go, and they, they couldn't see it. They couldn't see anything that we were telling them. And we had to say, listen, you have to accept that we love you enough. We love you enough. And we're willing to give our life. We're willing to give our time to see you grow. Trust us in this. Take this by faith. Pray about it if God won't show you. And I can't tell you over and over again, not 100%, but 99% of the time, they would always come back, man, God showed me. That's what someone corrects you or you hear something from the Word of God. That's why it's so important to be open to the Word. And you say, well, that really doesn't apply to me. Sometimes we have to say, maybe it does apply to me. And Holy Spirit, maybe you're not showing me right now, but Lord, if this thing applies to me, then show me. And that's what the, the Holy Spirit's the teacher. I can't go with you 24-7, but the Holy Spirit can. He's with you all the time. Uh, I don't want to go with you 24-7. <laughs> you don't want to go with me 24-7. But the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit is a teacher. So it's amazing how if someone, you know, that's a leader or someone that loves you or someone's trying to speak into your life or the Word of God or something like that, you take it by faith. And then you ask the Holy Spirit. So correction, sometimes you have to, you have to accept correction by faith. Um, it's and, and guard against those defenses automatically going up, you know, that would somehow knock you out of the box here. And Proverbs chapter 28, verse 23. In the end, people appreciate honest criticism far more than flattery. Far more than flattery. Next one here. Be patient with yourself and others. Be patient with yourself and others. It's not all going to happen overnight. Uh, it really isn't. So you have to be patient with yourself and certainly with other. Change is not easy. It really isn't. I, I love change. For some reason, I thrive with 
new challenges and change. I don't know why, it's probably because I'm foolish. But I, I, just, I just love the challenge. But that doesn't mean it's not, that it's easy all the time. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, even for people who like change, it's not easy what you're going through, and it's really difficult. But some people, it's harder on them than the others. So you have to be patient with yourself. You really do, and you have to be patient with others. I would almost say, sure, you want to be patient with others and certainly have a right attitude in your relationships, but I think it's harder to be patient with yourself. You know, to forgive yourself. You know, we're, we're hard on ourselves sometimes. And that it's, it's not the Holy Spirit, and uh, it's not even the devil. Now, the devil loves to jump on the bandwagon and be right there, but we're hard on ourselves. We don't forgive ourselves when we wallow in it. And just that we lose ground that way. So you have to learn, listen, I'm being patient. God, you know, I'm not where, listen, I love this. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm certainly not where I was. And I think all of you could probably say that. You're not where you want to be. That's okay. But you're not where you were. Aren't you glad? <laughs> yeah, sure. Thank God for the work of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for God's love and patience with us and working with us and brought us along the way. Um, and maybe some of us need here need a new kick. You know, where you know you need a new kick. And uh, anyway, that... It's glad you all missed that. Uh, F, the last one here. After you've made the chains, rejoice in the Lord. Worship him, pray, take a little rest, and then get ready for the next change. <laughs> but take time to rejoice in the Lord. Take time. God, thank you for showing that to me. Thank you for, Lord, that message that you showed me something. I rejoice. I worship you for that. And yes, Lord, I'm going to, this week, man, I, by your help, I'm going to work on that attitude, I'm gonna, that habit. I just want to bury it. And I'm going to rejoice that you did something in my life, Lord. And, and I'm going to worship you, take a rest, and then, but always be ready for the next thing God wants to do in your life because he wants to do. You see, this whole scripture in, in Jeremiah chapter 48 talks about the, the, the sediment, uh, that the process. I showed you in the beginning, for those of you who weren't here, the first pour, the initial crushing of the grapes, you pour it in the first jar, and it's real murky, you know, and, and then you just, it settles down. Really, what, a lot of what's settling down is the sediments of self, <laughs> that old self-life, you know, and you want to, so more and more of the sweet aroma of Jesus is in your life. That's our goal. I don't want people to smell the old me when I'm around them. I want them to smell the sweet aroma of Jesus. How many know there's an aroma about Jesus? Yes. It really is. Do you ever run into someone you say, I just know they're a Christian? Yes. They don't even have to open their mouth. There are a lot of times you just, I just believe that they have to be a Christian or know God. There's a smell. There's an aroma. Uh, wouldn't that be nice if, if we as believers would walk with that aroma to the workplace? God knows this too, that in our workplaces we need the aroma of Jesus. God knows that in our government we need the aroma of Jesus. 
In our schools, we need the aroma of Jesus. In our neighborhoods, we need the aroma. Someone needs to have the aroma of Jesus. And how does that come? It comes through the process of God transforming us, changing us from the old to the new, letting us settle down that after about four or five pours into different containers and bottles, it's clearer and clearer and clearer, the wine. And that's what God wants, clearer and clearer for it to be. So transformation is all of those things and above. So just another reminder. Would you stand with me? Stand with me, and we'll finish with a word of prayer together. I was thinking about taking time actually tonight and doing it, but then as a, the more I thought about it, I thought, man, it takes more than a few moments to think about this. But I mentioned some things here in the beginning. How do I know I need to change? Hopefully you wrote those down. Go back over them and see if any of those, God, is, if there are any of those, then God, what are you trying to point out because of it? Because there's a reason that there's that restlessness there, that frustration there. There's a reason that, that, that spiritual lethargy. So, Lord, what caused it? Why am I there? How do I get out of it? And then look at the help. So it's more of a, an assignment you should do between you and the Holy Spirit. And let it happen in your life. And that's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit all week long. We get teaching, we get together, but then we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.